SequelCast 2 is part of the Batman Podcast Network. For more information, go to batman-on-film.com. Are you back there, John this, John that? It's a John. It's a noun. It's like a safe, these is John's, this is a John, this restaurant was sitting in, this is a John, you were John. You got a John? A dude. No. I got so much going on right now. Welcome to Sequel Cast 2, a podcast looking at films in a franchise one movie at a time. I'm Matt Bradley Shergy. With me is William Thrasher. Hey, how y'all doing? It's good, it's good to be back here in this town. And this time around, we're sort of uh, filling the gap. Way, way back in the original Sequel Cast show, we looked at the uh, six Rocky films and we figured, well, you know, they've done a new one since then, so why don't we take a look? Uh, and so we're looking at Creed, released in 2015. Directed by Ryan Coogler, a screenplay by Ryan Coogler and Aaron Covington, uh, based on characters by Sylvester Stallone, starring Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, Tessa Thompson, and Felicia Rashad, with music by Ludwig Goransson, uh, cinematography by Maurice Alberti, edited by Michael P. Schauber and Claudia Costello. Um, this uh, you know, had a budget of around $40 million and I think worldwide made around 173 according to Box Office Mojo. And in fact, we're getting a sequel that's actually coming out um, late this year, although they haven't started filming yet, which seems a bit quick. Um, so we'll see if that's actually the case later this yeah. year. But um, but yeah, I thought this would be interesting to talk about as sort of a, an aperitif before we jump into Ace Ventura in the next few weeks. Um, so Creed, when is the when's the first time you've seen this, Thrasher? The, I, I really wanted to see it in the theaters. Unfortunately, it came out at a bad time. So the first time the first time I saw this film was this morning. Oh, okay. And, um... and I'm sorry I waited so long. This was fantastic. This, this is the kind of movie we do this podcast for. Right. Um, when I saw this, I, uh, it wasn't under, I wanted to see it in theaters like you, but I was just too busy. The holidays are just not really a time. And I ended up going, uh, it was on Amazon Prime, and I watched it streaming while I was taking the bus to and from work, which is not the ideal way to watch what, although, I mean, you might call Creed a boxing movie, it is, among other things, like a drama, much like the original Rocky film. And so I wasn't, you know, perhaps involved with it as I, as I should be, and I, I watched it a second time to, to prepare for the show and had a much better time watching it the uh, second time around. Uh, you know, just very loosely, the plot is about, um... Apollo has a creed, has a son named Adonis, and uh, but he was born after Apollo died, and was a child out of wedlock, and but it turns out his son Adonis, who also goes by Donnie, you know, is a uh, you know boxing in in Mexico doing these kind of underground fights, and he he gets into the boxing so much, and he quits his full time job, moves to Philadelphia, and seeks out his uh, the friend of his. Um, late father, Rocky Balboa, to train him. And, uh, and things go from there. And uh, it's, 
what's really interesting is Ryan Coogler was wanting to do this as a sort of Rocky sequel ever since he was in college, and he kept on reaching out to... He kept on reaching out to... Um, Stallone. You know, so that's Stallone, yeah. Stallone kept turning him down, and eventually Stallone said yes. And um, even though Ryan Coogler and Aaron Covington are credited with the screenplay, I remember when this was coming, when they were filming this, Stallone uh, on Instagram posted pictures of him revising the Rocky dialogue, which makes sense. And uh, it, this is a very natural follow-up to Rocky Balboa, which is the sixth Rocky movie, I think. It, it's more... Uh, not not as over the top as things like say Rocky Four. It's a more character based story. I mean, yes, there is there is boxing in there, but I think it takes you know, um, and there's boxing right right off the top. But the way the boxing is filmed, you know, it's not not all those slow motion shots like in the Stallone directed ones. And the, yeah, there's really only one sustained slow motion shot, and that's towards the end. Yeah, and um, it and the music. Uh, by um, Ludwig Göransson is, uh, I think, very interesting in that he uses some of the original music, but also uses like new music. And the soundtrack has a lot of uh, contemporary sort of um, rap music. And uh, I really liked the. Have you seen the trailer for this movie? I know I did see the trailer, but I didn't rewatch it in preparation for the show. Oh, yeah, what's interesting is the trailer makes it look like oh, it's a it's a boxing movie, kind of a romance. And then the reveal that Rocky is a character in it is pretty late in the trailer as a <laughs> surprise. And I, I saw this in theaters and some people saw Rocky was in it like, oh, oh holy shit. Like, <laughs> you know, they didn't realize this was coming out. And uh, and director Brian Coogler, you know, before this he made like a Fruitvale Station, an acclaimed independent film. And then more recently he made uh, Black Panther. So he's, mm -hmm. he's been doing quite well uh, for himself. Um but yeah, I mean, this, uh, and it, it's nice to see Felisa Rashad in this movie. Yeah, I didn't recognize her at first. It, it didn't, it didn't hit me that that's who it was until the credits, but she turns in a very nice performance. She does, and you know, she's best known as, uh, the, the mother on the Cosby show. And, uh, it, it's just, and you know, she wasn't in, like, the original Rocky film, and I don't even know if we even... I don't even recall who played uh, Apollo's wife in, in the old films, or even if we saw her as a character. No, well, we did. She she appears in the first uh, two films. But pretty briefly, though, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like a, a major part. I mean, the, the first... The, the, I believe in the first movie, her, her whole appearance kind of comes down to agreeing with his coaches when they point out that Rocky's an up-and-comer who might be a threat to Creed's title. Mm -hmm. And then in the second film, where she kind of comes to terms with the fact that, that Apollo nearly got beaten into a grave by that knockdown drag-out rematch with Rocky. Yeah, and um, it's... So a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff to, to chew on here and that what I think is, is pretty interesting and un, unlike in Rocky in this we get to see the the lead character Adonis uh, as a kid and you know he's he's in in between foster homes and always getting in fights well I mean if you didn't know that this was a, a latter-day Rocky movie uh, the the movie does not spell it out for you. It starts with a cold open in a uh, juvenile detention facility, and we stick with Creed uh, growing. We stick with with Donnie growing up for quite a while before uh, Rocky gets introduced into the film. 
which is, is something I've got to give this this movie credit for. This is this is Adonis's movie. This is mm-hmm. not yeah. Rocky's movie. I got I got to give him credit for letting this be Adonis's movie. Now Rocky has a ridiculously huge part in it, and I think really as he should. But like this, this movie does not lean on the Rocky legacy at all. It, this could this could stand on its own if it just had another scene to kind of lay in why Rocky Balboa is such a big deal. This could be the only movie in the series. Sure. Um, I, I think it's also smart that, you know, recall in the original Rocky film, um, the character of Rocky is sort of a, an enforcer for a, a small-time uh, mob group breaking people's thumbs, and he's really he's really poor and kind of bumbling. And in this, uh, Donnie is... He's... He it shows him getting adopted by Felicia Rashad, and and she's they don't get into what she does for her job really, but she's quite wealthy. It's, it's a very big house. Well, I don't and think he, she has a job. I think I think that's and, oh, uh, think that's Apollo the, the Creed's state? money finances yeah, that yeah, lifestyle. Certainly could be. Um, and that you know, um, Apollo's wife adopts a kid that's not her kid. You know, it's they're related by uh, you know sort of his half mother, I suppose you'd say, or something, but. Well, well, it's 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 her it's her husband's bastard son. Bastard and, son, yeah. And it's and it's interesting because I can see because I did I did chew that over exactly why she does it. And on, and on the one hand, I think she does see Donnie as a link to her husband, who she still deeply cares about. And and two, you know, she 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 sees a troubled kid that she can help. And I think that's why why she brings him in. And also, now that I think about it, I don't think. A well, this is the, actually the thing. I don't recall, and I'm probably wrong about this because it has been a while since I've seen the films, but I don't believe uh, Apollo is shown as having any children in the first three first three movies. But mm. there's a line of dialogue when Wart, because initially Donnie is not fighting under the Creed name. Like he wants to live up to he wants right. to live up to yeah. Apollo's legacy, but he wants to have his own legacy, and he doesn't want to he doesn't want people to think like he's he's got he's getting help because he's he's Creed's son. And so there's a scene where when the news gets out that that Hollywood that Donnie Hollywood Johnson is in fact uh Adonis Creed, um there's this thing on the on a sports channel where they say he is the he is the youngest the youngest known child of Apollo Creed. Mm. Which makes me wonder how many illegitimate children did Apollo have? Maybe that's an out for maybe in a sequel they could have, you know, Adani fights his unknown, you know, half-brother or something. It's Creed uh, versus Creed. Creed versus Creed, yeah. Creed, <laughs> Creed squared or something. But, yeah, or Creed cubed might be better. Yeah, but, yeah, it's it's an interesting point. And, and um, it, it's it's a great study of contrast that we see Donnie is uh, fighting in, in New Mexico, and or not New Mexico, in Mexico, uh, just south of the California border, and he's like, and he's undefeated in these street fights, and he, he thinks he's all that and everything. And then he he goes and he ha- he has an office job, and he just got a promotion, and he walks in and and quits, uh, much to the consternation of his boss and the uh, Felicia Rashad. You know, his uh, his uh, the mother that the mother figure that adopted him, and. He, uh, I like the, the detail that he's initially going to, to the gym in L.A., and the guy that runs it is called Little Duke. 
and recall that Duke was Apollo's trainer in the original Rocky. Yep. And Duke even trained uh, Rocky and Rocky Balboa. I mean, he was in all the other films. And, and that this guy's called Little Duke is a nice tip of the hat to it. Well, they they even they even uh, state he is he is Duke's son. There's there's yes, a lot yeah. of father son transference there going is, on in this film. Certainly, um, so and that, that, that's a great point. Uh, and you, you see, uh, there's a lovely scene early on where Donnie's at home and uh, on the watching on a projected screen um, footage. I think from the second from Rocky two. I believe of, it is Rocky too. Yeah, of Apollo and the rematch between Apollo and Rocky, and he kind of lines up in shadow boxes as Rocky is. So he's metaphorically beating up his own father, and the whole time, like he gets really, he has uh, Donnie has a bit of a temper on him. He gets upset when people, you know, are are saying stuff about his father, and even when he goes to Philadelphia, he doesn't really advertise that he's Apollo's son. Um, and Rocky tries to protect him as long as he can in that regard because he wants to make it on his own. He doesn't just want to cash in on his father's name. And also there's a lot of, uh, uh, um, he has a lot of feelings and anxieties and, and uh, complications over that he didn't know who his father was. And that's a big uh, gap in his life. Yeah, the the symbol the symbolism of him fighting the projected image of his father is really on the nose, but it's a it's a very powerful moment. And mm-hmm. the other thing I like about this is when he tracks down Rocky in Adrian's restaurant. Oh, that's Rock, right. Ro- Rocky initially turns him down. <laughs> yeah, it, it they kind of stretch out, you know, what he's going to do and I like I mean, if you thought Stallone gave a grounded performance in Rocky Balboa, here it's even more so. It's you, you rarely see Stallone this relaxed in a performance. And, uh, I mean, Rocky does have some jokes, but he's not trying to give it, he's not trying to give advice at this point. He just like, who's this strange guy that's coming in. And I love that they call back to the ending of, I believe Rocky three, where, uh, Donnie is asking Rocky, Hey, you know, uh, I, I heard you and Apollo had a third fight who won. <laughs> because you remember that movie ends with them sort of in the training room and they they start boxing each other and you hear yeah, the bell and, and it's then a f- it smashes and it's a freeze credit. frame freeze on frame, the first yeah. on the first swing yeah and I, and I really like this and because at first you know Rocky says well that was kind of a secret between us you know but I do love that they do flat out state oh no Apollo won that fight mm-hmm. yeah and I feel uh, like Rock, Rocky can't be saying that to make him happy that has to be the truth. Right, and we get, you know, a lot, not just that footage from Rocky Two at the beginning, but we get, you know, still uh, photographs from uh, the characters in the different Rocky movies. And it, it's notable that they use footage of, uh, um, oh, uh, who's the actor that played Apollo? Uh, Carl so, Weathers. Yeah, Carl Weathers. Um, they use footage, because recall in Rocky Balboa, when they're showing footage of Rocky's past matches, they did not show footage of uh, Apollo. Because Carl Weathers thought he wasn't being offered enough money for the, his likeness to be used, and in this one, which is a much smaller production than Rocky Balboa, he was able to to get it done, to to give permission for it, and he gave interviews saying how much he liked the movie and all this stuff. So that, that's all pretty cool. Um, yeah, I can say if I can talk about it because they do. This movie does connect to all the previous Rocky films in some really nice ways. Some subtle, some not so subtle. Like when Rocky visits uh, Adrian's grave and Paulie's grave is right there, 
and he's talking about him and they make reference to Paulie's alcoholism. Uh, and, you know, you know, and what was it like the way Rocky describes? Because it won't because eventually um, uh, Donnie moves into Rocky's house for like full time immersive training and he stays in uh, in Paulie's room. Uh, and that's even the things like, well, who was who was this guy? Well, he was a nice guy that wasn't so nice all the time, which is a great rundown of him uh we see that rocky has a terrarium and he still has his two turtles in that terrarium he still has cuff and link which i guess they're old enough that that makes them tortoises now yeah yeah um we get the photo and, and of I, I like his it. son yeah the photo of his son from rocky five when it was played actually by his son and that that's kind of a sad moment because in uh, in real life you know uh, that um stallone's son sage stallone who played the part in rocky five had died. Um, yes. So I'm talking about his movie son, but I think he's also talking about his real son in a way with that dialogue. Uh, also, we have... Um, I love the the bit you mentioned where he visits the grave of Adrian and, and Polly. It, it turns out has died, um, which the, the actor that played Polly wasn't too thrilled with. He, in fact, sold T-shirts on his website that said, Polly's not dead, uh, <laughs> which is, which is that, pretty That's smart. for Creed too. Yeah, yeah, who knows? Maybe he'll He faked his death back. to escape the mob, but now he's back. Right. Um, but then it picks up the detail from Rocky Balboa where he has, like, a chair up in a tree, and he yeah. sits, and it's clearly something he does, and I like that he brings a flower for Adrian's grave and a bottle of... Uh, bottle of whiskey, I think. Cheap whiskey for Polly, because certainly Polly's alcoholism is a huge part of his character. Yeah, and I, and I just love the the, the just the, the ruminations on time in this movie. Like you know, when oh, I, go, yeah, no, I yeah. tell you, get, it's getting harder to to get up this hill. I don't know what that means, and, or you know, when he's talking about you know, well, he's like, I I didn't beat Apollo Creed. Time beat Apollo Creed. Time beats time beat everybody. time is undefeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time has has no defeats. Yeah, it's uh, the, it's good. The only link this doesn't have is to just have like a. Uh, a pile of junk in because we see Rocky's backyard. It's not too tidy. The only thing we don't see is in that pile of junk, Paulie's robot. That would have maybe a bit jokey for this movie, but yeah, you could have done something with that. Perhaps <laughs> also, there isn't much reference, I think, to Rocky Four at all. Come to think of it, um, but but you look at or Rocky Three for that matter. But you, you look at this movie, and uh, I really like you have the thing going on. Where um, Apollo goes to, after he gets rejected by Rocky, not Apollo, um, Donnie goes to uh, Mickey's gym, and you see it, it has, it's under new ownership, and you get this great subplot of the current owner of Mickey's gym uh, has a son that he's been trying to get Stilo- uh, Rocky to mentor for a while. And then when it gets to the point of uh, Rocky mentoring, um, Donnie instead, like the the owner of Mickey's gym, gets jealous and starts, you know, there's a bit of a conflict, and they want to, they're setting up a fight between his son and uh, Donnie. Yeah, and I think isn't it says right before that fight or right after that fight is when word gets out that Donnie is Creed's son. That's right, but I think before that, you know, we get we get the training. And I, you even you get calls back to to Rocky too. It has him chasing chickens, and, and I like that. At the you would, I mean, you think about these Rocky movies. This is the third Rocky film where Rocky has been training another fighter. 
In Rocky V, he trains uh, Tony in the machine gun. Rocky Balboa, he's a... Uh, I guess he's not training someone. I guess I'm mistaken in that. Well, well no, it's Rock, Rocky Three. he's uh, training oh, guess... Mason the Line Dixon, I believe. That's Rocky Balboa. Um... Oh, that's right, it's Rocky Balboa. My, my mistake. Yeah, and... Um... You know, in this one, he's training. But that you go to the gym, and you don't really see Rocky work out with uh, Donnie that much. Instead, he's, like, drinking a coffee, reading the newspaper. Uh, I, I like the detail where he drives in a van and has for, like, five miles or something and has uh, Donnie <laughs> jog behind him. <laughs> and he's like, I thought you said it wasn't that far. And he's like, it's a ways. <laughs> like, he just sort of dismisses it. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing I like. I like with Rocky. He's like, you know, I'm not. I'm not really training your body. I'm working on what's in here, and he like taps him on the head. You know, it's it's there. There's a. It's a really touching mentor student relationship that the two have. It is not just that, but when you know Rocky starts to take uh, Donnie a bit seriously and, and has him jog behind him in the van, uh, the the gym they go to is like a real shithole compared to Mickey's. Like it's these real old guys, and they're. Uh, you know, there's less equipment, but it, it's they pick that you know on purpose, and it has real character to it. Um, but well, it's like same, it's all about the fundamentals, right? Yeah, and it even gets to the point you know where Rock, where uh, Donnie moves in with Rocky. But before we get there, you know, what do you think about the romance angle of the film? There's a lot of time spent with with him and this uh, girl. Uh, initially, he stays in this apartment, and you know, down below lives uh, Bianca, who's a uh, an up and coming. Uh, singer, uh, songwriter who is, has progressive hearing loss. Yeah. Th- I wish, I wish there was a little bit more of her. Cause I do, mm-hmm. I do like the relationship. I, I, we do get to see, we get to see a lot of shades of their relationship. Uh, and the, the notion, you know, that she's trying to do whatever she can with her life as fast as she can because of the progressive hearing loss she's got. <sighs> you know, I like that, that, that Donnie's temper gets brought up because there's a really great scene where she's she's really coming up in the world. She's finally going to be headlining at a at, at a venue, and he comes to visit her backstage. And this is after the whole world knows that he's Creed's son, and everybody's calling him Little Creed. And this one guy, like the club promoter, calls him Baby Creed, and <laughs> the tension just starts to escalate. Where he tries to explain, "Don't don't call me Baby Creed." He's like, "I'm trying to show you and your old man some respect." I know, but don't call me Baby Creed. And it kind of escalates until a fight breaks out. And that's, I guess that really is when he gets to his lowest point because that he gets thrown in jail uh, afterwards. And when Rocky first comes to bail him out, he turns Rocky down. Yeah, he, you know, he just is, is really having a hard time of it. Um, I think, yeah, with, with Bianca, they, they don't spend as, as much time as, say, with like Adrian in the first film, uh, Rocky film. But I do really like that scene they go on where it's like a date, but it's not a date. They're having Philly cheesesteaks. And uh, and then later the, they go back to her place and she's laying down a beat. And Donnie does a really silly rap about cheese steaks and cheese cakes. I love that. That was so endearing. Yeah. And, and she just like stops the beat and he's like, what? I had something going there. And it was, uh, it, it was just a nice sort of softer character moment and then uh, you do get conflict between them because she gets mad at at him for lying about apollo and uh, you know about his, well not his for lying about it for withholding it because he just said right. my dad was a boxer he didn't as she said we well, didn't say he was the greatest boxer who ever lived right and then earlier you know he mentions that he they bump into 
Rocky, and he goes, oh, that's my uncle. And he's like, you didn't say your uncle was Rocky Balboa. Um, <laughs> and But, yeah, there's also, but you mentioned, that, you know, primarily this is about a mentor, a teacher-student relationship, and you just get a lot of nice, nice dialogue between the two. I like at one point Donnie imitates Marlon Brando from The Godfather when he's talking to Rocky, trying to convince him to take him on. That's really sweet. Although, I think we've got to talk about Rocky's lowest point, because there's a late-night sparring... Because uh, Rocky and, and uh, Donnie are sparring late at night, and Rocky just starts throwing up, and then he can't walk. And yeah. uh, you know, Donnie insists he goes to the hospital, and when he finds out, he has, uh, he has lymphoma in the early stages. Uh, and initially, he, he saw... Because it's... As we remember from earlier films, that's what killed Adrian. And he saw what those treatments did to Adrian, and he just decides he's just not going to do it. Uh, he's just going to let the disease run its course. And and Donnie, Donnie tries to get him to change his mind. And I think this is where we get some of the some of the best the best interactions between the two. Yeah, I also like the interaction earlier where um, Rocky is there. And in the hospital, and he's told, you know, he has cancer, and they want to do chemo, and he's like, oh, my wife tried that, and his delivery of that line is really well done. It's, you don't see Stallone uh, be that raw and vulnerable that often, but it's a continuation of, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, melancholy nature to Rocky in uh, Rocky Balboa, the prior film, and that, that continues throughout this. You know, he's never really gotten over it. He has a very good speech where he says, you know, if I could... If I could put all my uh, all the good things all, in my all life the good in things in my life, like in in a, in a in a bowl and give that away for one more day with my wife, I'd do it. Like it was, um, even though she is not Talia Shire is not in the movie, you still feel her presence and his feelings towards her. I think you're right. That is some of the best uh, acting and interaction between the two in the film. And and Rocky at the same time, he. he he he's an older man. He has a cancer diagnosis. He talks about you know he gets tired more easily, but he he doesn't want to worry Donnie with it. He says you have to focus on this fight. And, and speaking about the fight, I, we didn't get to that. But after he wins the fight against the um, the son of the guy that runs Mickey's, he gets uh, Stallone, who is or Rocky, who is uh, Donnie's manager now, uh, gets a phone call. From Tommy Holiday, uh, a trainer for um, this boxer in the UK, and they agree to meet up for a meeting. And it's very similar the circumstances of what's going on between what was in the original Rocky film. Where they talk about pretty Ricky Conlon. Yeah, and and he is laid in early because like early on in the movie, there's kind of a rundown of what's going on in the world of boxing, and it's mentioned that there's this guy, pretty Ricky Conlon, who uh, has a an a uh, gun possession charge in the UK and may very well be spending a few years in jail, uh, and people are wondering as he's the heavyweight champion, how that's going to affect the sport, and and he he I gotta say he he made a really good opponent in this film. Yeah, no, we don't get, like, a lot of time spent with him, but but he's intense. And I, I do like the technique in the film, but it's a bit surprising they didn't do it in the other Rocky movies, that you, whenever a boxer comes on screen, you get a bit of a freeze frame. It shows the guy's name and sort of his boxing nickname and his uh, weight. His stats. And his, his stats. And that reminded me a bit of the Punch-Out! video game a bit, where you uh, get the stats before fighting the guy. And it's <laughs> yeah. A, it, it's a real nice 
moment where really quick you're communicated a bunch of this information about the person. Um, Graham McTavish, well, the other thing, because oh, like looking at this, pretty Ricky Conlon probably has his own parallel movie going on that we don't get to see. Right, because like that's yeah. that's a big because that's the big thing that comes up is that you know he does he doesn't have a vendetta. While there is a certain amount of prestige that comes with fighting Creed's son, you know he doesn't have a vendetta. He really doesn't have anything to prove. He wants to get one big fight in before he goes to jail to make sure that his family has money to get through his absence. You know he made it. He made a stupid decision that got him that that weapons charge, and you know now he's trying to do whatever he can before he can't do anymore. Uh, to help his family. Right. Um, also, we we look and we see that um, the guy that plays Ricky Conlon's manager, uh, the character is played by Graham McTavish, who has a nice big beard, and he previously worked with Stallone in uh, Rambo, the fourth Rambo movie, as Lewis, one of the mercenaries. And oh, yeah. he, he perhaps might be best known for playing the part of the dwarf Dwaylin in the recent Hobbit movies. Hmm. Yeah, but then we get the whole cast and crew goes to uh, goes to England for what for the movie's final fight, and this fight is brutal. It's it's lots of sustained shots, really really good choreography, uh, really really great sort of. The makeup work is great as we see as we see both Donnie uh, and uh, Conlon getting more and more beat up throughout this fight. I mean, there's there's blood. You can you can feel the punches in this fight scene. Yeah, um, it's intense. I, I like how it, with the director Ryan Coogler's camera work, he gets inside the ring and, and moves around with the guys, um, which is cool. It, it's as we mentioned before, it's not the stylized slow motion stuff you don't um in uh, rocky balboa uh stallone shot like the final fight with uh, like hbo cameramen and made it look like a real slick television production and, and things yeah. and this it, it just looks more more gritty and more more grounded and it's uh it, it's an intense fight and uh and, and it's a good fight the only the only thing i don't like about the fight is when they cut when they repeatedly cut back to Felicia Rashad and we see her reacting to it. I think that's a good idea. I think we should see her reacting to the fight, but those cuts always seem so awkward to me. They just yank it out of the middle of the fight, which is where you want to be. But oh, so I don't. Uh, so so the fight go, the fight goes on to the point where Rocky wants to call it off. Uh, yeah. But you know. But Creed uh, talks him into letting it continue. But there's a thing where the referees. So Creed's been so beat up, his his left eye is completely swollen, and if it's completely swollen shut, the the referee will will end the fight. And so there's this great moment where the ref's covering up uh, Creed's good eye and is asking him over and over again how many fingers he's holding up, and Creed gets them all right. Um, Matt, did you notice that they cheated that eye test? I did not. Yeah, because because it's clear he can't see. If you'll notice, whenever the ref holds up a number of fingers, um, the the physical uh, the physical trainer who's uh, or the cut man, one of the guys. I don't know if it's the, it's the trainer or the cut man, but they they slap him on the neck a number of times equal to the number of fingers. Oh, that's pretty neat. 
So that that so they cheated the eye test, and mm-hmm. like that's that's the kind of thing where I could totally see in a Creed sequel that coming up and the outcome of the fight being disputed because it should have it should have ended on a uh, I don't know if that's a technical knockout, but like it's it's it should have ended because because he couldn't have passed that eye test without that cheat. Right. Um, no, that, that's a that's a pretty good point. But yeah, I, I I like this fight. I like how it goes on. I mean, the way it ends is a, a nod to the original Rocky film. Yeah, it's, it's not a, a decisive victory. They go not, the full 12 rounds, but they're both still standing. They're both still standing, but Creed does not win. Um, and that that you at the end, you get both Donnie and Rocky climbing the steps to the Philadelphia Museum of Art is really nice. That is such a touching scene, and I, I half expected Rocky to die of a heart attack. <laughs> mm, yeah. And in fact, I remember in the trailers, it, it showed some of the stuff of... Um, Rocky in the hospital, and I thought, oh, they're going to kill him off in this movie, but they don't. Um, but uh, I think part of uh, Rocky wanting to call off the fight is he, and they go into this a little bit, but he feels guilt about not stepping, that he could have, he feels he could have saved Apollo's life when Apollo yeah. was going against um, even Drago and Rocky IV. Yeah, I gotta say, this this movie gets a big sequel yes for me. I agree. It's also a sequel. Yes, I think I like that it's more grounded. But then you know the boxing is uh, peppered throughout the film, and it, it, it's well done. And um, some of Sylvester Stallone's best acting in in a while. And yeah. and Michael B. Jordan, but it is also you know really good. I, I hope in the sequel they get more of the relationship between him and Bianca, or if they go with if maybe he has a different love interest in the next one. Who knows. Uh, I don't know. I hope I hope they keep it. I think they could do more with that. Yeah, they could. Um, and the thing with the Creed Two is they are um, haven't filmed it yet. And yet it's supposed to come out later this year. We'll see if that happens. Uh, they have said the storyline is gonna Dolph Lundgren is gonna be reprising his role as Even Drago, and Even Drago's <laughs> son is going to fight against Donnie. Interesting. Even Drago's son is gonna fight against Apollo Creed's son, Adonis. Um, you know, once again played by Michael B. Jordan. So, it would be interesting to see how they do that. I've heard rumors that Creed Two might have some flashback scenes where they use de-aging effects with Stallone and Dolph Lundgren. I've also heard rumors that um, you might get a scene with Carl Weathers with de-aging as a flashback somehow. Interesting. So, well, we'll see what they do with that. It, it should be interesting. I think we could... Uh, I wonder if they'll play into any of the current um, Russian politics or U.S.-Russia relationship. Or maybe It would be a shame it. if they didn't. Yeah, you would think they, they'd have to do some of that. Um, so that would be very interesting. And, of course, Dolph Lundgren has worked with um, Sylvester Stallone in the Expendables movies. But see him redo even Drago, I think, is something a lot of people are excited about. So we'll have to see. Maybe that'll come out late 2018 like they say it will, but that seems a bit soon to me. But who knows? We'll just have to see what ends up happening. Um, it's not the Creed 2 is not going to be directed by Ryan Coogler. Instead, it's going to be directed by... Let me look this up. 
somebody else. It was, Stallone originally was going to direct it, but then they said it's going to be directed by Stephen Cable Jr. instead. You know, this movie had everything. It had everything except Frank Stallone singing Dig It Back. That's right. Dig It Back. The only one without Take It Back in there. So if you were going to do pitch a sequel for this Thrasher, what would you do? I usually try to go serious, but I think I want to go silly for this one. So the the sequel will be Creed... Creed to Rocky Eight Apollo's Millions. And okay. the whole idea is there's a secret clause in Apollo's will that the entire Apollo Creed <laughs> fortune, everything everything that Marianne Creed uh, inherited, the mansion, the money, the licensing deals, um, there can be only one. Uh, that all of Creed's heirs are gathered together uh, in that mansion and they all have 24 hours to, to defeat each other in some sort of sports challenge, which, of course, will be boxing all across the board. And only, only the victor will inherit everything. And so we have Creed fighting all of his brothers and sisters, um, all of whom are all of whom are illegitimate except for except for one. There's got to be at least one uh, one child born from his marriage to Marianne there. So I'm thinking maybe 12, 12 people, uh, men and women, uh, lots of different backgrounds. One of them when is in the military and is an expert in like small arms fire. Another one, another one is just like a desperate artist who wants to finance their work, but they have no they have no combat training. And the whole thing is uh, the whole thing is going to be covered by internal security cameras for this crazy extreme sports network. Uh, and Rocky think Rocky thinks that this is crazy that this is just degrading to the whole sport. But because Creed wants to prove that he's the most creediest Creed of all the Creeds. Rocky has his back, and he's sort of in a control room, you know, the whole thing. Hey, you gotta showcase my boy, he's fighting pretty well. And it's just gonna be a whole, it's gonna be a whole battle royale, and it will turn out that the legitimate heir is evil, uh, and he will be defeated by being impaled upon a statue of Apollo Creed that's on the grounds. Hmm. Ironic. So, so that is my pitch for Creed II, Rocky Eight, Apollo's Millions. I think what I would do is, um, I would, I would call, hmm, I would, I would have the movie be about Polly, I think. Really? Yeah, and I, I would call it, um, Paul, I call it Polly Jr., and it turns out Polly, uh, just like uh, Apollo Creed, has an illegitimate son who gets his way into Adonis Creed's life and is an alcoholic and ex just like his old man did. And at the same time as he makes, uh, you know, Rocky and, and uh, Donnie's life miserable, well, as a sort of uh, cross-cut story, we also get flashbacks to Polly dying and Rocky having to deal with the, the death of his close friend and sometimes enemy Polly. So is is the is Polly's son gonna be played by Bobby Moynihan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Sure, why not? Bobby Moynihan will play Polly Jr. And um at the end Polly would uh would go into the ring and try to box, but he just like gets knocked out in one punch. 
and they all laugh and end up going to uh, Adrian's for to have a bottle of wine together. I think is how it would end, and and maybe they they'd go to Polly's grave. But yeah, it'd be called Polly Junior, and uh, I imagine uh, Moynihan would play it a bit like his drunk uncle character. <laughs> But it's not a comedy. Um, no, but there, there'd be some comedic elements. <laughs> so, um, what would you call... Okay, yeah, so we did that. Um, <laughs> so, moving to what you're watching. Um, I saw a, a pretty recent movie in, in the theaters. And it, in fact, it's done by the same director as uh, Creed. I'm talking about Black Panther. Oh, based nice. on the, the comics. Now, I have no, I have little familiarity with the comics. In fact, before seeing this movie, I just read the very first issue of Black Panther, uh, written by Stan Lee, drawn by Jack Kirby. And um, it, it was, frankly, a sort of, you know, campy, standard sort of comic book caper, uh, with the only thing unique, the main character being uh, African, uh, being black from the, the country of Wakanda. And... I mean, the way he looked in the original comic is pretty similar to how he looks in the movie. But this one, I have to say, I haven't seen all of the Marvel films. I still have yet to see Spider-Man Homecoming and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. But this movie is the first one I've seen in a while that's really a standalone. It doesn't, although it has a character from Age of Ultron and has a character from Captain America 3 Civil War, it pretty much stands on its own. You could watch this without watching the other ones and not get too lost. It doesn't go into the Infinity Stones very much. It doesn't have, you know, cameos from, uh, oh, hell, like a Thor or anything like that. It, it's really doing its own thing. And, I mean, um, now, what's somewhat odd is you see a, a lot of websites were calling this, like, the first black superhero movie, which is not the case. You had... Um, you had yeah, Steel, you've had Steel, Three you Blade had Blade, movies, three, Blank Man, trilogy, Meteor Blade, Man. Blank Man, right, Meteor Man. Uh, all I mean, there is there is a legacy that this that this fits into, but this, uh, my understanding, I still have not seen Black Panther. I'm probably not going to be able to see it uh, until this weekend, unfortunately. Right. But it's it's like this is sort of the apotheosis uh, of the uh, of the African superhero on film. Sure, and that so much of the cast is is black is. It just really struck me watching it. Like, I don't think I've ever seen this big budget of an action movie with pretty much an all-black cast. Um, you have white people in some of the supporting roles. You have uh, uh, Andy Serkis is one of the bad guys. He's reprising his role as... Um, Claw. Claw, right. And uh, and then you have, um, speaking of people from The Hobbit, you have Martin Freeman as this sort of agent, FBI agent from Chicago who gets uh, gets involved because he's chasing after Claw as well. And it, it, it's a well-done story. It reminded me a little bit of the first Thor film in that it feels almost very Shakespearean with your dealing of themes of father and son and, mm. and who is rightfully in charge of the throne and this sort of thing. Um, and, and the way Wakanda looks is beautiful. There's a lot of good good costumes, a lot of colorful costumes. Uh, some action sequences are reminiscent of James Bond in there. Um, and so a lot of interesting at the end i thought it was funny it says black panther will return in uh i think the avengers 3 or whatever they're calling it um this does have a scene at the this has sort of two teaser scenes one is at the very end of the credits 
which ties into uh, a character from Avengers. Cool. And it also has Forrest Whitaker, who was recently on screen in Star Wars Rogue One. Oh, yeah. So, it sounds like you're going to have a question, Thrasher. Oh, no, no. I would just... Uh, I. Well, actually, I guess my question would be like, as far as like uh, recent Marvel movies go, uh, does this rank uh, pretty close to the top for you? Um, I I would say it's better than than average. You know, I I appreciate that it was a little bit less jokey than like Thor Ragnarok, uh, which I like Thor Ragnarok, but it was hard to take seriously, and they they tried to have some pretty major characters get killed off in that movie. And you didn't feel it as much, I think, because uh, they did not. They have jokes going on all the time. And this one, there's some humor, but they, they pretty much play it straight. Um, I, I would say this is in my top ten of the Marvel films, but I, I really have to sit down and make a list sometime because there's been so many of them in such a short amount of time. But yeah, I think it's in the, the upper echelons of the Marvel films as far as I'd go. Um, A lot of um, a lot of characters in this one, which is which is interesting, and a lot of different locations, which is uh, which is kind of fun. I also like that the uh, the trailer didn't really the trailers for this didn't go into the story that much, um, which was cool. So I have a question for you: Have you ever heard of the Mimiverse? No. This is something that my wife and I recently discovered. So there's a man named Christopher R. Mim who 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 writes, directs, and produces his own independent uh, horror sci-fi. Uh, they're they're not quite parodies and they're not quite tributes, but they're they're comical comical B movies that are done in the style of early Roger Corman films that all take place in the same interconnected universe, which has been uh, fans referred to as the Mimiverse. And my wife and I devoured most of his filmography over this past weekend. Uh, it includes films such as The Monster of Phantom Lake, Cave Women on Mars, The Giant Spider, Demon with the Atomic Brain, and where Skeeto, Nazi Hunter. So are these more recent movies, or? Oh, oh yeah, like they uh, the he started doing these in two thousand six, uh, and he's got uh, Guns of the Apocalypse is the next film in the series. It's going to be coming out uh, sometime later this year. Okay. And it's really, it really is fascinating. This kind of little, little pocket cinematic universe he's created that have these interesting sort of, interesting sort of threads that connect all the films. Such as there are there are canoe based police officers that exist within this world. They're police officers who exclusively patrol local waterways on canoes, and they have their own women's auxiliary. <laughs> Which is featured heavily in the Giant Spider, which has the which has an awesome theme song. It has this rock and roll theme song about giant spiders. Hmm. But like the acting is intentionally wooden. It's all black and white. Most of the special effects are done very practically and very cheaply. Anything they do using a modern effects technique or something that's like in iMovie, they will try to make look as old as and cheap as possible. There's always a scene of comically lengthy and complicated exposition. Uh, and I guess I, I loved, 
Oh, crud. I think it was... It, oh, yeah, it came from another world. It came from another world has a musical number. <laughs> it is just like in those old API movies when, oh, hey, look, Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack shooters are here. And the movie would just pause to fit a whole pop song in it. Looks like he has one coming out called Guns of the Apocalypse. Yeah, that's uh, later this year. Later this year. And, um... Yeah, it looks like you can find more information of those at SaintEuphoria.com. Yes, and and these are these are fun movies, especially if you like early Roger Corman. They're, they these movies are the good kind of bad, and they know it, and they are not ashamed of that. Cool. I'll have to check some of these out. Seems pretty interesting. It's uh. I love that title, Where Skeeto Nazi Hunter. <laughs> that that one that one is great. That one probably overall has the best story of any of these. Just the poster has like a big mosquito drawing blood from the Nazi flag. Oh yeah, yeah, the posters are great. I love the poster for Danny Johnson Saves the World, which has this clanky robot made from buckets and garbage cans. Yeah. More, it says more excitement than any human being can handle. Pretty yeah, like they're they're not they're not quite as snappy as like the lost skeleton of Cadavera, but they they have that same spirit and that I, same yes, love. Yes, I, of I, I have material. seen lost skeleton of Cadavera, so I, I might have to check these out. Um, so next week we're we're gonna be we're gonna look at um, Ace Ventura. <laughs> A film that started a phenomenon. It did, and what's what's really amazing is um, that first film came out in '94, and if you look at the uh, the Jim Carrey films that they kind of made his career, they yeah. they all came out in a very narrow period of time. Well, that, that's what I was going to say is that in '94. Three movies came out that made Jim Carrey like an A-list comedian. Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber, all in the same year. That's astonishing. And then the next yeah, year he and, did, and, like, and, the and that's next, like, after that he did Batman Forever and then Ace Ventura 2. Yeah, and that's and that's like right on the tail end of like when In Living Color was canceled as well, which yeah. I guess we might talk some about that, which is where most people knew him before. Unless you're like me and knew him from the Duck Factory and Once Bitten, but that's another story altogether, never mind. Yeah, and he was in um, Peggy Sue Got Married. He had a small part in that, working with Nicolas Cage. Uh, and he was in the last Dirty Harry movie, The Deadpool, in a very small part. So yeah, it's um, we haven't you know we've talked about Jim Carrey, but I, I think other than the Batman Forever episode several years ago, we haven't really talked into him a whole lot. And he he doesn't do a lot of sequels typically. He's done a few over the years, but you know Ace Ventura, he did two of. And um, after Ace Ventura, to give you a sneak peek, we'll be looking at The Mask. And at some and I think sort of in between those, you mentioned you wanted to talk about a crossover episode of the Ace Ventura cartoon series. Yes, the the final episode of the Ace Ventura animated series was a crossover w with the Mask animated series, which is such a fascinating pop culture oddity. I felt like we had to do a special episode. Uh, yeah, <laughs> during this uh, I podcast. never knew about the Ace Ventura cartoon. The Mask cartoon I was familiar with, um, 
And there was even a Dumb and Dumber cartoon, but it was quite limited. Yep. So, all very cool stuff, so stay tuned for that. Or you can follow me on Twitter at MATWBT. You can follow me on Twitter at Internet Mayor. And uh, follow the show at SequelCast2 on Twitter. Uh, also, uh, like our Facebook page and uh, write a review for us on iTunes. That would help a lot. Um, or on the podcast app. You can also hear us uh, streaming on Stitcher and we're part of the Batman on Film uh, podcast group. You can find more information on that on Batman on Film. Um, so until next time, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Saying. Uh, hey, hey, don't you want this? Oh, yeah, we're doing the scene. How stupid are you? <laughs> I forgot. Um, let me pull this up. I mean, I just assumed I was going to be Rocky, but if you want to take the No, Rocky no, no, part. no, you do Rocky. Okay. So uh, so Creed uh, takes the cell phone photo of these uh, boxing drills that Rocky's making. And Rocky tries to hand him the paper. Hey, hey, don't you want this? Uh, Donnie looks at the cell phone. It's on this. Well, what if you lose it? It's already in the cloud. What cloud? That's one of the rare examples of jokes in the movie, and I don't think that joke especially works. It's, but I find it endearing. It sounds like something Rocky would say. I just like it's an extended beat of Rocky looking up at the sky, confused. Like, he's, what's this? What's this technology people are doing or using these days? <laughs> like, you, you don't see Rocky with a flip phone, but that could have been funny. But yeah, um, so. Yeah, we'll be talking about Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, next time. And uh, we, and just, just you know, to get you in the mood for Ace Ventura, just imagine that that last scene we were both talking out of our butts. <laughs>